Good morning. How is everyone? Good, good. If you're new here, my name's Eric. If I haven't met you, uh, we would love to get to know you, answer any questions you might have. We have a welcome center in the courtyard. Uh, we have a gift for you and uh, also some literature, ways for you to get involved and connected to our church. Um, if you haven't done your Market of Hope, ca- Market of Hope catalog yet, uh, the market ends Wednesday. And so it's your opportunity to help uh, the gospel go to the ends of the earth, uh, to every tribe and nation. And so this is uh, what we do to help the gospel go out further. And so you can uh, give out in the courtyard we'll have, or online, and that'll close on Wednesday. It will be your last opportunity. So here we are in Matthew chapter 15. Um, you know, this is one of those passages where you're like, do we really have to go verse by verse? And so um, it's, it's one of those that'll be fun. Uh, it'll teach us a lot. And so I'm going to pray, and we'll hop right in. Dear Jesus, uh, we thank you for an opportunity just to open your word and learn. And uh, we pray that you would teach us, you would guide us, you would uh, help us understand uh, what it is that's going on in here, and help us trust you more, seek you, love you, uh, want to be like you. And so it's our prayer uh, that you would teach us this morning, that you would speak, and that we would be challenged to love you and be more like you. So we just pray for your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so what you see here, hopefully you're catching, there's all these little kind of just side uh, turns, and it'll cover like a a little chunk, and it'll be this place where Jesus is doing something, and it's short, and then it moves on, and then it moves on. And so you have all of these, and I think what you're seeing is Jesus is trying to teach the disciples something very specific. And we touched on it a little bit last week, and I think it really unfolds here, is that Jesus is teaching them, and it's, about the, it's not about the method, it's about the man, right? It's not about the method in which things are happening, it's about the man, and the man is Jesus. And it's about loving Christ with all your heart, it's about following him. It's not about the method in which it comes. And so that's why you look through, you know, how have we gotten to this point in the gospel, in, in, in one part, you know, John the Baptist is being beheaded. You're like, well, what do we do with that? And the next, Peter's walking on water. Uh, on the next, they're touching the fringes of his, of his cloak, and they're being healed. And then over here, they're being laid at his feet, and they're being healed. And then over here, they're rubbing sand in their eyes, and they're being healed. So there's all these different methods. And what you'll see in, in a Jewish mindset is they love the method. You sing through the law. This is how we pray. This is how we worship. This is how we provide sacrifices. This is how we clean them. This is what we wear. The law laid all of that out. So Jesus is constantly switching it around and doing it differently and differently and differently so they would understand it's about the man, Jesus. It's not about the method in which it happens. Um, If you think through uh, our current state of Christianity, we're very similar. We love the method. And we'll lift up the method and forget the man Christ and worship the method. And, and I think it's well-meaning, you know, I really do. Uh, be, but I, I think because in the method, that's where we came to know Jesus. And so it's so important to us that I came to Christ in this moment, in that area, through this mechanism. And I want everyone to have that available to them because I know what it did to me. But then what happens is we protect it and we worship it and we... Um, get angry when things might change. When I first came to LBC, I was the high school pastor, and this lady was very sweet, but she came to me, and she wanted me to know, I better go to Hume Lake, 
or else kids won't get saved. She was saved at Hume Lake. Everyone gets saved at Hume Lake. Now, is she saying that's the only way people get saved? No. But what was she saying? That's where I met Jesus. You have to go there. Now, we love Hume Lake, but not everyone comes to Jesus there, right? It's the same thing people say, why don't we do altar calls? I was saved at an altar call. They made an altar call. I came down. I accepted Christ. It becomes about the method. I remember being in church, and they were arguing, and I was like, man, God, is there any way I can get to lunch? Because they were still fighting about electric drums coming into the church, and you wouldn't be able to hear the organ, and then people wouldn't know Jesus. And here we are singing, great is our faithfulness with a full drum kit, you know? Like, they'd be, some of you get that joke. Anyway, so, it's like, no, 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 no. The method is not which saves. It's Christ that saves. And so I think what you're seeing subtly is that he's showing them different methods, but it's the same message. And the message is that Christ is the only one that can save. Now, I do think there's some consistencies that through a method, God is teaching you something. And that's why I think he uses different methods because everyone is different. And so it takes different methodologies to shape your heart and to teach you. And essentially, you have to understand when you're at a place where you're coming to Christ and you're praying, you're evangelizing, there's always three audiences, right? There's the believer, there's the audience, and then there's the, the person who it's actually happening to, the participant, okay? So I want you to look through this and let's start thinking through what is God teaching in this method to the people involved in the story, okay? So we start with a woman, right? And she's a Canaanite. Verse 22, and it says, Behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out, there's crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Okay, so the, the irony of this passage during this time, do you realize this is a Jew going to Lebanon and casting out a demon? You guys aren't catching the magnitude. That's okay. It's funny, though. It's like, I couldn't time this sermon with this. It just it all came together. But anyways, you have a Canaanite woman. Why does that matter? Because she's not a Jew. This is the only time in all the Gospels you see Jesus actually leave Israel. And so he goes to another region. And this woman, she knows who he is. He goes to a Gentile area. And so what I want you to think through the method should this become a method of evangelism? Read the story again. No, it isn't. But God is teaching her something. I want you to think through this. He doesn't even answer her. Okay? Well, why not? The disciples, they're watching. They're the audience. They're like, get rid of her. She's annoying. She cries out. Jesus has a response. Says he answered, verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. So he ignores her. And then he says, I'm not here for you. Now, if you're the woman at some point, take a hint, right? Take a hint. You're being ignored. They're saying, hey, send her away. And he's like, hey, this is not for you. 
What's her response? She kneels. That word kneel is literally the idea of being prostrate, face down, in a sense of worship. Lord, help me. 26, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now at this point, right? Like, don't take, it's not right to take the kids' food. Okay. 27, she's still in this. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is why I'm talking about the method and what is it teaching her. Jesus does it instantly, correct? He could have done it at the very beginning instantly, but he chose to do it in this particular way. What is he showing her? Persistence? He's showing her she's not giving up. She also, I don't hear me on this, she knows her place. Not because she's a woman, because he's God and she's not. She's coming to the Lord. That's how she starts out. Lord, son of David, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. She knows her place. You are God. I am not. And I'll take even the crumbs. Even the crumbs. It's revealing her heart in the process. Yeah? The process serves a purpose. But it's not to be standardized, packaged, and become, this is a means of evangelism. You ignore people, tell them that they aren't fit to eat the food you eat, but they can eat your crumbs. It's not a method of evangelism. It's a way to speak to this Gentile woman and show her something. Now, she's the participant, right? But there's also who? The disciples. The disciples are like, hey, we don't talk to them. Them being Gentile, them being woman, them being crazy daughter with a demon. And so Jesus is showing them, actually, we are going to talk to them. We're going to have mercy on them. But Jesus does it in a way that they understand the mission is still the mission. I came to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. Why does he say that? Because that's been the plan from the beginning. That God would bless the nations through who? Abraham. Abraham is the first Jew. And through the Jews, they would go to the ends of the earth being a blessing. What's the blessing? The gospel that God's made a way for sinners to be reconciled with himself. So he's saying that's still the plan. The Jews were promised the Messiah. That Messiah has come. He's supposed to come and then establish, right, the kingdom. And then through them, reach the ends of the earth. So he's saying the plan is still the plan. But when I leave, when I leave, I'm resurrected and I ascend up into heaven. Go to Acts chapter 1. He's walking through them and he says, look, you're to go to Jerusalem. Judea, the ends of the earth. 
The gospel was always supposed to go out. So he's saying the plan still is to the Jew first. Read Romans 1, but then to the Gentile. He says, I'm still working it out, but remember to have mercy. God will have mercy on the Gentiles, on even this woman, Gentile. So he's now teaching the disciples, the witnesses. Now, the third audience. Imagine the people that know the daughter. I'm just guessing that if you were demon-oppressed and then you're not demon-oppressed, you're a different person. I've only seen it a few times, and the few times I've seen it, they're a different person. Why does that matter? Because it forces them to deal with, why are you different? What happened? See, through the different methodologies, three things are always happening. God is challenging non-believers. How did this change happen? God is strengthening believers. And God is also showing himself to be the one who can do things that no one else can do. Okay? So through the method, the method is always changing. But he's revealing things through the method. And I want you to look at this last piece. I think this is very important before we move on. This method reveals that this woman's heart worships and loves the Lord. Jesus presses down on her again and again and again. And at each turn, she knows you're God. I'm just the servant. I'll take just the crumbs. Why is that important? That the heart of this woman is being revealed. What's the passage preceding it? You have Pharisees that come and they're looking down on Jesus. They're looking down on the disciples because why? He didn't wash his hands. So Jesus proceeds to tell them, it's not on the outside what makes you clean. It's what comes out of the heart. And the heart of those Pharisees was entitlement. We wash our hands. We don't eat that food. We don't work on the Sabbath. We fast for this many days. Think through the book of Matthew. What are the different things they've accused him from? We uphold this law. We, 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 we are entitled to. Jesus says, that is desperately wicked and wrong. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The heart that is near and close to the Lord is the heart of the Canaanite woman. I'll take the crumbs. I'll take the crumbs. You're God. I am not. Anything you have, anything, I'll take anything. Lord, have mercy. I deserve nothing. That's the idea of mercy. Give me something I don't deserve. Withhold the thing I do deserve, punishment, rejection. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The heart is revealed. So he shows them what the heart is not, and then he shows them what the heart is, all in one passage. See, the method often reveals the heart of things. You'll be praying and praying and seeking the Lord, saying, God, why? God, this, I need this. God, I want this. God, I, 
I? God says no. He's silent. God says, why would I do this? He's saying no. Over time, it reveals, but God, I deserve this. I wash my hands. I go to church. I pray. I'm faithful to my spouse. I, and the I, 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 the entitlement is revealed through the method in which God uses. That's why God uses different methods. It teaches us different things. It reveals different things about ourselves. It reveals different things about other people. So the method is always changing. But the message, the message, the message is never changing. The message is never, ever changing. There's only one way to God. It is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins taken away and forgiven. Look at the statements that are made. The statements that are made here are made all through the gospel, the Bible, the Old Testament. She has a mercy. She understands, I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. Then she says, Lord, you're king, son of David, you're the king. And she says again, Lord. She goes to the Lord. She goes to Jesus for help. It's the same message over and over and over again. We deserve nothing. We're offered Christ, the Son of God, to take away our sins. So the message goes over and over and over again, unchanging. The only way to God is through Christ. Now, the second part of the message is, is this. It's not that it's just unchanging. It's that the message is to go to everybody. From the very beginning, God made it clear he would go to the nations. But people kept trying to restrict it. to No, 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 just us, just us. No, no, to everybody. And Jesus is pointing out to them, to everybody. Galatians chapter 3, 27 through 29. I want you to read this. It says, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay, really quick. This is not a passage for who should be a pastor or not. Okay, that's the wrong application of this. What is it talking about? Salvation. The Jew, the Greek, male, female. What is, he, what is he saying? Look, this Canaanite woman fits the very definition. What does he show him? The message is to go to everybody. Even the demon-possessed Canaanite Gentile female. Everybody. There is no one that the message should not go to. The message should go to every person, tribe, language, background, sin background, upbringing, everyone. The message unchanging to all people. Now, what's the problem? We want to standardize the method, but change the message. See, when you're not getting what you want, she's crying out, have mercy, no response. She cries out again, I'm not here for you, here for the lost sheep of Israel. Well, then maybe I'll change the message. I'll change the message. You know what? I deserve this. I don't like a God who won't give me what I deserve. 
I don't like a God who doesn't want to give me, you know, fill in the blank. So we change the message. God doesn't care about marriage. God doesn't care about adultery. God doesn't care about pornography. God doesn't care about swearing. God doesn't care about greediness. God doesn't fill in the blank. Change the message. Because the old one wasn't working. It wasn't creating the uh, response that I wanted. This is why, again, Jesus has been leading them up to this moment. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who had a treasure and they loved the treasure and they sold everything for the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like being a citizen of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like, right? So you're walking through all these things. This woman is demonstrating what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like someone who treasures Christ. I'll take even the crumbs. I deserve nothing. Now think about this. If you're a Jew, they are the perfect people to share an unchanging message to this Gentile woman. Why is that? Because the law is a part of the message we're to tell people. The law was being used inappropriately. The law was being looked at, look at how many laws I keep. I'm better than him, better than him, better than him. Look at me. It's like, no, the law was actually there to teach you and show you you're terrible. You need a savior. You need Jesus. So part of the message for us, you learn through the law. What's that? God's absolutely holy. Think through all the cleansing laws in the Old Testament. This is what you have to wear. This is how you have to wear it. This is the fabric it has to be. You can't get it dirty. This is the type of animal. These are the parts of that type of animal. This is how the sacrifice has to be done. God is absolutely holy, perfect, without blemish. He is perfect. What are the other parts of the law? Well, sin. When we do what God says not to do, there's a price to pay. Sin is expensive. These are my best animals. I could have made so much money for them, but no, I have to kill them. The shedding of blood is a part of the payment for sin. The Old Testament, the law teaches this. And it's not just any animal. It's your best animal. And it's for every sin. So I have to keep getting another animal, another animal, another animal. This is costly. This is endless. And I can't keep up. I sin more than I have offerings to give. So then the law teaches you what? I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I need someone to do it for me. Enter Jesus, lives the perfect life, dies the perfect death. He is the sacrifice and the payment that you need. This is why it was to go to the Jew first. Because it is through the Jew, they can explain the holiness of God, the costliness of sin, and the greatness of Jesus being the payment for the sin that they can never do themselves. See, the message is unchanging. God was working that plan through this way. And this woman is the first demonstration is to go past them to the nations. It's the only time in the gospels Jesus goes outside of Israel. He goes to Lebanon and he shows and he demonstrates unchanging message to everyone, to everyone. And so you walk through this. 
You have the method. You have the message. Now let's look at the results. Okay, so 28, Jesus answers her, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus moves on. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up to the mountain and he sat down. And the great crowds came to him, bringing them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet. Again, this is not a feet ministry where we lay it at the feet of Jesus. Right? Bring, just bring it to the feet of Jesus. You'll be healed. No, 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 no. It's not about the method. It's about the man, Jesus. And he healed them. So then the crowds, what did they do? They wondered. Again, who are the people in the story? The method, part of the method is teaching the witnesses. And when the witnesses saw change from the participants, they what? They wondered. They wondered. It challenged them to say, you were once like this, and now you're like that. How did that happen? You're saying that happened because he, who's he? Jesus did it. See, this is why the methods are there. They draw about and reveal these things. And when they saw the mute speak, they saw the change, and the crippled healthy, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, what was the result? They glorified the God of Israel. God was glorified. They saw the change. They saw the one who did it. And the conclusion was, the God of Israel, Jesus, is amazing. He is to be praised. See, the result of our work and our prayer of obedience should always be that God is glorified. See, the problem when we become about the method is that the method ends up glorifying us. This is what you see of the Pharisees. I wash my hands. Look at me. Look at what I do. And then this is how we interpret great ministries and great works. Look at what he's doing. Look at how many people they're changing. Look at his book. Look at their podcast. And it becomes about giving the man praise and not Christ. Because we want to package up formulas and say, this works, this works, this works. We want to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it instead of recognizing, no, the method is always changing. It's the man that is never changing in Jesus, and he is the one to be praised. See, this is what makes the New Testament explicitly clear. It's about Christ. But what we want to do is make it about ourselves. Read 1 Corinthians. Paul, this amazing apostle, and they want to say, no, 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 I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. He's like, no. It's like, look, I get it. I'm like your spiritual father. I get it. I love you guys. But you do not baptize in the name of Paul. You baptize in the name of Christ. Therefore, you follow Christ. Paul's constantly trying to put Christ high and himself low. That's why this woman gets it. She said, I'll take the crumbs. 
why Paul's like, I'm a doulos, right? I'm a slave. I'm just here to do the will of the Father, whatever he wants. I'm the lowliest. I'm the servant. I'm the slave. Paul tries to make it abundantly clear. Read Romans. He's like, look, guys, I get you want to understand the purposes of God and you want to understand why him and not him and why does he get a big house and I get a small house and why does he get cancer and I don't? He's like, look, God's the potter, we're the clay. Clay doesn't talk. Clay doesn't get a say-so. Clay doesn't have rights. Clay is what the potter determines. So when you read the New Testament, God is glorified because we're clay. God's the potter. He's the one to be worshiped, loved, and adored. So now when you look at this, you see that the woman, she gets it right. It's easy to read this and think, man, Jesus is being really mean. It's like, no, actually he's not. Understand, it's Jesus saying this, not just some random dude on the street, okay? This is Jesus. And she understands, Lord, whatever it is you will give me, I will take. Even the crumbs. She understands the idea and truth of what? Mercy. God, I deserve nothing. I'll take even the crumbs. And see, what happens is we too often become like the Pharisees. We look at the method and we say, oh, no, 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 but God, I don't think you understand. I've been going to church for 10 years. I read my Bible every other month. I pray consistently once in a while. I don't cheat on my spouse. There's no way I should get cancer, lose my job, finances be hurt, have a wayward child, have somebody that hates me. God, no, I don't deserve this. I went through this method. I went through this process. Your biggest disappointments in life will be because you don't understand what the Canaanite woman understands. See, we think we're too good for the crumbs. We sit there and go, you're right, Jesus. You don't throw the bread to the child. You give me the steak. That's right. Do you know who I am, Jesus? I wash my hands before I eat. Pharisees. I follow all these made-up rules that I came up with, and I'm crushing them. This is why Jesus uses different methods. Because through the methods, your heart starts to get revealed. All of a sudden, you know, you, you have an issue maybe of infertility and you go through the process and you go through the process and you go through the process and then there's that, all right, God, I've done everything you've asked. Why isn't this happening? See, that's what's revealed in the Canaanite woman. Silence, I'm not here for you. You don't get to eat our food. But the crumbs, Lord, the crumbs. Ah, the heart is revealed. At every turn, she recognized, I'm not entitled to him healing my daughter, but I'm gonna keep asking. And I'm gonna keep asking, why? Because he's God. He's God, I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna kneel down. I'm gonna ask 
him to help me. And the result is, great is your faith, God is glorified. The woman is changed. The witnesses are perplexed and they're challenged that God did this work. See, for us, that's the question. Are you willing, are you willing to understand the crumbs? Okay, Lord, I'll take even the crumbs because I deserve nothing. See, as you work through this, you have to think through the modern kind of pharisaicalism that we've created. You have to ask yourself, have I created a form of entitlement Ask yourself these questions. Why do you come to church? Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? Are you just storing up good favor that you can cash in for the rainy day? Is that what you're doing? Or are you doing these things because you love Jesus? I deserve nothing. Mercy, Lord, mercy. You come to church because God tells you to. He says, I want my people to gather. He commands it. I want my people to gather and I want them to sing and I want them to hear the preaching and teaching of my word and I want them to talk about me together. You don't do it to store up good favor. You do it because you want to sing to God. You want to hear from his word and you want to talk about God to other people. God also says, look, there's no way for you to practice the one another unless you're around one another. You can't practice patience, kindness, and forgiveness, and gentleness unless you're around people that you don't like that drive you crazy. So he says, you come here and you practice these one another's. It'll help you be like Christ. So you do these things because you love him. That's what he's getting at in the last passage. It's the heart, and it's the heart that loves him. And this woman's heart loves Jesus despite him not answering her, telling her he's not there for her, then telling her the food's not for her. She's like, I get it, I get it, I get it. We just have mercy. Can I have the crumbs? You can wrap your head around that. Your Christianity will not be full of bitterness and anger because you're mad at God for things he never promised. It's the, it's the American Christianity. I deserve this bank account. I deserve this. Or when your identity gets attacked, the idols that we hold dear, for some people it's your job, for some people it's your family, for some people it's your health, for some people it's your mental ability, for some people it's your physical ability, when that gets challenged, you don't go, God, no, you can't take that. You say, God, the crumbs. I have the crumbs. This is the crumbs. It's fine. I'm entitled to nothing. Have mercy. I have Christ. You can take the other things. I have Christ. What he's teaching is the heart of being near to God is found in the heart of the Canaanite woman. And we are to have the exact same heart. Lord. Mercy, crumbs, I'll take it. If you can't wrap your head to that place, 
you're gonna have so much disappointment because you think God owes you. And you're gonna get angry when he doesn't provide the things you've demanded because you think you've done the proper methods that should warrant the results that you think you deserve based on your deciding. This is what he's stripping the disciples of. They think they're gonna get a palace and he's gonna sit on a throne and they're gonna have swords. And he's like, no, you're gonna be persecuted. How do they get there? By understanding what happened with this Canaanite woman. The crumbs, Lord, the crumbs, I'll take them. Yeah, so what are some questions for us to think through? What does this passage teach us about Jesus' ministry? There's so much it teaches us, doesn't it? That the ministry is for everybody. That the methods are always changing. But the methods reveal things about us and other people. The methods show us our heart. The message, the methods challenge us, but they're always changing. Two, what does the Canaanite woman's attitude teach us? Mercy. You ask for mercy. We're entitled to nothing. And be persistent. Be persistent. How many of us would have walked away when there was no answer? And then, she, and then she hears the disciples saying, get rid of this woman. And then she gets told, I'm not here for you. And then she gets told, the food is not for you. She's not giving up. She's persistent. But she also has humility and she understands, he's God, I'm not. And I'll take anything he'll give me. Three, is there an area in your life you feel entitled an area where you feel God owes you. This is so important because I guarantee you wherever that is, it'll be tested. Do you feel like you deserve that bank account because you worked hard? Do you feel like you deserve that job because you've worked so hard? Do you feel like you deserve whatever it is? Or you say, no, 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 Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. Three, is there an area in your life that you feel entitled about? Window. Okay, four. How can you make changes in your life so that more people see God glorified? Just think about it. How many times do you talk about something great that happened, but you leave God completely out of it? You leave God completely out of it. There's no man, praise God, this happened. See, the emphasis on the text isn't that the man's walking or he can talk or, or, or that the lame or the blind see, it's God's glorified. It's simple things. God did this. God did this. Praise God. I am nothing. I'm just, I just eat the crumbs. God had mercy on me. The only reason I'm here is because of mercy. Yeah. Five, how has God used different methods over the years to teach you? This is an important one. I want you to really think about this. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. What are the different things God has used to shape kindness or patience in you? Your marriage, your kids, your job. God's used different things to teach you how to forgive, teach you how to be patient, 
teach you how to be loving, teach you how to be peaceful. If you look back, you can see there's these methods or times or trials, whatever you want to call them, that God showed you what he is like, what his son Christ is like. Now ask yourself, what are, what are my biggest struggles? And how is God using that to teach me to be thankful for the crumbs, to be more like Christ, to have great faith and trust him? Because it is through the methods he strips away all the things and shows us what's in here. And right now, what is he showing you about yourself? The things that you love more than you love God, the things that you're trying to hold on to. And he's like, no, no, the crumbs. You have the crumbs. Okay, think through that. Six, are there any methods you worship more than you worship Jesus? This is probably one of the most concerning things I try to look at when talking to someone is when they talk about a podcast, a book, a ministry more than they talk about Christ. I'm like, you love that too much. See, we love methods and formulas. Do you love them more than you love Jesus? Are you willing to say, I don't care what the method is. I'm just here for the crumbs because the crumbs come from Jesus. I'm entitled to nothing. It's about him. This is what Paul does over and over again. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. Christ crucified. It's about Jesus. He's the king. He's the one whom I go to. Save me. Help me. Over and over and over and over again is what you see. And so I'll leave you with this. I would plead with you this. You will save yourself so much pain and bitterness if you can get away from thinking you deserve a steak dinner and simply be grateful for the crumbs because you have Christ. And when you can go into cancer, losing your job, having a wayward child, and say, but I have Christ, you can get through anything. And it is in that moment you will glorify the Father and say, thank you. Because I have you, I was able to get through this. Because I have you, then you understand who is your Lord, who is your King, and who is your Savior, Savior, and he is to be praised. Amen? Let's praise. Let's, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. And we thank you that your son Jesus came and did what we couldn't. And it's our prayer that we wouldn't have bitter hearts and that we wouldn't uh, be angry at you for things you never promised. But rather, we would have grateful, humble hearts that say, Lord, the crumbs, I'll take the crumbs. That we would take anything you would give. God, I pray that we wouldn't build religion and we wouldn't build rules and systems that make us think we deserve things. Rather, we would just trust you. Say, I deserve nothing. But I have Christ, which I don't deserve. God, that we would cry out for mercy more often. God, that we would cry out and praise you and glorify you more often. And we pray now in a time of worship that we, like the Canaanite woman, would have grateful hearts, that we would have an attitude and posture of worship, that we would have joy and thankfulness because we're saved and loved and paid for. 
that a holy God that hates sinner, that hates sin, paid for sinners in the form of his son Jesus. We would worship you for that. So be with us as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.